Thank you, Brother Terry. Thank our choir. Thank our praise team. Thank all of you this morning for taking part in our worship time. If you would, uh, please turn to 3rd John. 3rd John, right before the book of Revelation, near the book, right before Jude. 3rd John, and we, we want to look, it's only one chapter, and we want to look at the uh, entire chapter, 3rd John, verses 1 through 14. I'm going to share a sermon with you this morning that I've simply entitled, What Kind of Christian Are You? What kind of Christian are you? Okay, and we're going to be looking at 3 John 1 through 14. Before we do, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for an opportunity we have to come into your presence today to worship you, and I pray that our worship, Lord, was pleasing in your sight. I pray now, that, Lord, as we turn from worship and song to hearing you speak to us through your word, I pray that our hearts and our minds would be receptive of your word. I pray that your Holy Spirit would go from person to person, seat to seat, chair to chair today, and, and minister to us, speak to our hearts. Speak to me, I pray, O oh God. And Father, I believe with all my heart this is a message that you wanted me to preach today. And so, Father, I pray that I'll, I'll share what you would have me to say, and I'll share it in the right spirit. But, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit, that he'll do what he does, convict of sin and of righteousness and judgment. And, Father, during a special time at the close of this service, people have an opportunity to make uh, decisions in their lives. I pray as your Holy Spirit moves upon them, Lord, uh, to be saved, I pray some would come today to trust you for the very first time uh, to be their Lord, their Savior. For other decisions and a recommitment, rededication, a uniting with this church, that period of time at the close of our service is very important as you're speaking to us and asking us to do certain things. We know it's never wrong to say yes to you. And so it's always, yes, Lord. If we can't say, yes, Lord, then we can't say, Lord. Because, Lord, you have all power and control over our lives. And we submit unto your Lordship today. Thank you for speaking to my heart in this. And I make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, just remain seated. I want to read this entire chapter. It's not but 14 verses, and so if you would follow along. The elder, to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Now let me mention the word elder there. When you see elder in the, in the Bible, in the New Testament, you'll see elder, you'll see pastor, you'll see uh, under-shepherd, uh, you'll see... All those are interchangeable. Those words mean the same thing. Pastor, elder, means the same thing. So, the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when, when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. 
Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well, because they went forth for his namesake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. Now I'll write to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, prating against us with malicious words. And not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself, and we also bear witness, and you know that our testimony is true. I had many things to write, but I do not wish to write to you with pen and ink. But I hope to see you shortly, and we shall speak face to face. Peace to you, our friends. Greet you and greet the friends by name. 3 John 1 through 14. John is, John is known as the Moses of the New Testament. Moses wrote the Pentateuch. He wrote the first five books of the Old Testament. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He wrote the first five books of the Old Testament. John wrote five books in the New Testament. John wrote uh, the Gospel of John about the faith in Christ. First John about church and about love in the church. Second John wrote about deceivers being in the church. Third John wrote about the personalities in the church, and that's what we're looking at today, the personalities in the church. And then he wrote, of course, you know, the book of Revelation. It don't have an S, it's just one revelation. It's the book of Revelation, and that is about things to come. But this morning I want us to look at 3 John, as John deals with three different personalities in the church. Now for a little background with 3 John, the church was having a difficult time. There were some problems in the church. Therefore, John writes a letter... Uh, to Gaius, the pastor of the church, he writes this letter and he discusses three men. Now these three men, these three personalities in that church, their personalities are represented in the membership of every congregation. Now you need to understand that. Regardless of the congregation, these three personalities are represented in every in every congregation, regardless of the size, whether it's small, whether it's large, you're going to have these three personalities. The names and the faces change, but the personalities always remain. And so this morning, you and I have to decide which personality best fit us. Which personality best fits me? Is the personality of Gaius? Is, is my personality like a, a diatrophies? Is my personality like Demetrius? 
And so we're going to find out what our personality is like this morning. One of these three men. We all fall into the category of one of these three personalities. So we want to look at those individual, individually. First of all, we want to look at Gaius. Let's think of Gaius just a minute. If you're taking notes, Gaius is a commendable Christian. A commendable Christian. That's Gaius. He was a healthy Christian. Physically, no, he wasn't really healthy physically because some even believe that Gaius was recovering from a physical illness when John was writing this letter. But he was healthy. He was healthy spiritually. Now, there are a number of Christians today who are healthy physically. Uh, they work out. There's no, nothing wrong in doing that. They work out by themselves. They, they work out with DVDs. Uh, they, they work out, uh, have a gym membership. They have, a, uh, uh, they have home gyms, and that's qu- quite all right. They have their own equipment. I used, to have a bar, I used to have a set of barbells and a bench, and I sold those things at a yard sale. And I got rid of, I, one of the best pieces of exercise equipment I ever had was called a, a doorknob exerciser. And that, that goes back to about in the 80s, and it was just a nylon rope you tied to the doorknob, and you put your feet through the loops at the end and put your hand, you pulled down, and when you pulled down your hands, your feet went up. And you did that so many times a day, and it kind of flattened that, that stomach out. Well, we have all different types of exercises and things to do to get in shape physically. Yesterday, I just Googled, while I was studying this sermon, I just Googled uh, weight loss programs, uh, diet weight loss programs. And all of a sudden, there's 14 best weight loss programs for 2022 popped up. Uh, the Mediterranean diet, the plant-based diet, the WW diet. Well, that's now, that was Weight Watchers, now it's called WW. And the Noom diet, and the Mayo Clinic diet, and the low-carb diet, and the list goes on and on. We're real conscious about our physical health. Went into Walmart weeks ago, I guess, and went by the magazine rack, and there's this bodybuilding uh, bodybuilding. Uh, magazine and had these pictures of these guys that were bodybuilders and and uh, you know on that cover I mean they were built I mean they were toned they were shaped they kind of all pumped kind of reminded me the way I looked before I got married but anyway they looked I always wanted you know be be toned like that but they were and um, you know those involved in bodybuilding are serious about it spend time with it I mean, they're in tone. They stay in shape. It's good to have a healthy body, but we need to get in shape spiritually. My goodness, you have missed life altogether if you have a toned body and you're not toned spiritually. That you're in shape physically and you're not toned spiritually. Let me share with you what 1 Timothy 4. 1 Timothy 4 says this. 1 Timothy 4 and I believe it's eight. You have that? For bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that is now is and of that which is to come. It's profitable to be healthy. It really is. But it's far more profitable. This life, this old, this old body is going to be put in the grave one day. It's going to be put in the ground but that spiritual body that we'll have. And as we spend our time with the Lord, 
Uh, being physically fit is one thing. Being spiritually fit is another. Gaius was, he was healthy spiritually. He was in shape spiritually. There was no spiritual flab in his life. He was in tone spiritually, and he kept that way. He kept that tone spiritually by studying God's Word, by serving God, by praying, and by obeying God. So when you look at Gaius, this commendable Christian, first of all, he was a healthy he was a healthy Christian, healthy spiritually. And he was a holy Christian, verse 3 and 4. Now that word holy means to be set apart. He had been set apart. He was walking, the Bible says he was walking in truth. The word truth there has two meanings. One meaning, he was walking in doctrine. He knew what he believed. He knew why he believed it. He was sure, he was sure of heaven. He was sure of hell. He knew what he believed. He was walking in truth, doctrinally, but he was walking also in truth, referring to his conduct. He had a good conduct about him. A friend, listen, his conduct was what it should have been as a Christian. How's your conduct? You know, evaluate your conduct. Evaluate your conduct at school. Evaluate your conduct on the job or wherever you might be. He had a good conduct. I was thinking about this, went to a basketball game sometime back a few weeks ago, and I'm afraid that many Christians today, when they go to an activity like that basketball game, a lot of them leave their testimony. Someone said they left their testimony on the court. Wow. And oftentimes we'll go to some type of event and we, we leave our witness at the, at the stadium, or we leave our witness at the little league field, or we leave our witness at the basketball gym, and we lose our witness because of what? We're not watching our conduct as a believer. He was holy. He was set apart in truth, doctrine, but then he lived the truth. He watched his conduct, and we need to watch our conduct. But not only was he holy, he was faithful in verse 5. Whatever he did, he was faithful. Faithful. So the point is, you and I need to be faithful in whatever we do. A major sin, I believe, that plagues the church today, our church and other churches, is unfaithfulness. Unfaithfulness. Are you faithful? Are you faithful in your attendance? Are you faithful in your serving? Are you faithful in your giving? Are you faithful in your witnessing? Remember, God's not going to be concerned that we live to be 100 years old or 110 years old, but what he's going to be concerned about is during that time, have we been faithful? He's not going to say, well done, you're 100 years old. But he's going to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. So it's about being faithful. And Gaius, Gaius was faithful. He was faithful. Uh, are you faithful? Gaius was a commendable Christian. He was healthy, spiritually fit. He was holy in truth and in conduct. And he was habitual. Habitual. That means he was, he was faithful. Faithful. And he was forth. He was, he was helpful. The Bible says he was hospitable. He took in strangers and gave them food. Strangers being other Christians, strangers being, other, uh, being evangelists, taking them into his home, providing meal, providing whatever they needed. Verse 7, verse 7 says, there in 3 John, look at that just a moment. 
because they went forth for his namesake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. That kind of just stuck with me. They didn't take anything from the Gentiles. When God's people went out to serve, when God's people went out to, to, to witness, to, when, when evangelists went out into different communities and would have to spend it, they didn't take anything. They knew the, they knew the church. Other believers would take care of them. So when God's people went forth, they didn't take or receive anything from the Gentiles. Other Christians took care of their needs. The church, remember this, the church of God and the ministries of God are supported by the people of God. Now I catch a little flack for that from time to time. Do you know who carried the Ark of the Covenant? The priests carried the Ark of the Covenant. Inside that Ark of the Covenant, you had the Ten Commandments, you had manna, and you had the rod of Aaron that budded. And the priests didn't have a cart. They hand-carried that covenant. The point is, the priests supported the Ark. The priests carried, supported the things of God. Okay? 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 9 says, says this, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You know all of us are priests. We don't have to go to a priest to pray. We can, we can pray ourselves. We can confess our own sins. I mean, we can talk to God. We can pray anywhere at any time. We're, we're priests in that sense. And the Bible says that we're, we're a chosen priesthood. So the point is, it's our responsibility to carry. Just like those priests carried the Ark of the Covenant, it's our responsibility to carry the Lord Jesus to the entire world. That's the Great Commission. To carry the Lord Jesus, the gospel, to the entire world. That's why we give to the, uh, to the North American Mission Board. Our Annie Armstrong uh, mission offerings coming up pretty soon. And all of those funds we give go to the North American Mission Board, our home missionaries. Then we just finished the Annie Arm, I mean, I'm sorry, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions, all of our foreign missions. We take, we receive an offering, put it together with other Southern Baptist churches and have over 4,000 foreign missionaries. That's why we give to the, to the Myers Mallory uh, state mission offering to take care of our state missionaries. So it's not the responsibility, what I'm trying to say, it's not the responsibility of the lost world to support financially the things of God. That's why we don't have roadblocks and sell peanut brittle. That's why we don't have car washes for the public. It's not the lost world to support the church, but it's the people of God that supports the ministries of the church. You understand that? Amen if you do. Amen, it's real clear. They went out, they carried nothing with them, and they depended on fellow Christians to take care of them, to house them in their home, and to provide the food. So we're carrying the load as God's people. I pulled up the church covenant. I remember when I first came here years ago, and you probably remember going into a little country church somewhere, and on the wall up there at front, you remember that? had a church covenant, and it had everything that the people coveted, not with God, but with each other to do as believers. Remember that? If you remember that, raise your hand. Remember those covenants? Yeah, you remember those. Church was organized under that church covenant. Here's a part of that church covenant. 
having been led as we believe by the Spirit of God to receive the Lord Jesus as our Savior, and on the profession of faith, having been baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we do now in the presence of God and the assembly most solemnly and joyfully enter into a covenant with one another as one body in Christ. I'm going to skip down to this. To contribute cheerfully and regularly to support of the ministry, the expense of the church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel through all nations. So whose responsibility is it, is it to, get the lost, to get the gospel to the lost world? It's our responsibility. It's not the lost world's uh, responsibility to give money where the church can operate, send youth to youth camp or whatever. It's our responsibility. If it's worth doing, then it's worth us paying for it. Amen? Amen. Okay. So now you know where I've been coming from, in case you didn't. Because biblically, it's our responsibility. So God forbid that we would solicit funding from the lost to carry on the ministry of the Lord. So Gaius, Gaius I'm sorry, was wholly set apart in doctrine and conduct. He was spiritually healthy. He was habitually, he was faithful, and he was hospitable. He took care of those who came in the name of the Lord to spend time at his house, and he fed them and he housed them. That was Gaius, and real quick, you have this guy called Diotrephes. He's a counterfeit Christian, verses 9 through 11. He had a bad attitude toward John, toward everybody. His motto really was to rule or to ruin. He was either going to rule or he was going to ruin. And he was, it was my way, to Diotrephes, my way or it's the highway. He wanted to be the boss of the church. And the point is, there's men and women who want to be number one in the church. They just want to rise to that level. And the Bible declares that in verse 9. John says, look at verse 9. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loved to have the what? The preeminence, the preeminence among them received us not. You know what John did? John wrote a letter and sent it to the church, and it came across the hands of Diotrephes. You know what he did? He destroyed it. He didn't let the church read it. That's why John's writing, that's why John's writing this letter. He's going to send this letter by Demetrius to make sure it gets to the church. And so you had this guy, Diotrephes, he just wanted to make sure everybody did what he told them to do. And he had this bad attitude. It's my way, it's the highway. And he wanted to be this preeminent person in the church. In verse 10, he committed some bad actions. John listed about five charges that he had against Diotrephes. He said, first of all, he, must occupy, he feels he must occupy the leading position. He's preeminent in the church. Uh, he refused to receive John. He told lies about John. Look at verse 10, pratting against us. That word pratting in the Greek means to talk nonsense. And to talk nonsense, nonsense means depravity. And so his nonsense, his nonsense that, that he was speaking was malicious words. He was acting and speaking in a very wicked and evil nature to those that were in the church and especially John. He, wanted, he would even excommunicate those who didn't agree to follow him. Verse 10, to be part of that verse. 
And so he was really after Gaius. He was really after anyone else, after the preacher. He was after anyone who would not follow him to the point where he had so much control over the church, he would excommunicate those that wouldn't follow him. And I've discovered over the years as a pastor, church members who want power and position and prestige usually attack the preacher privately or publicly, and ultimately they'll start just a whisper campaign to try to undermine the character of the preacher or the ministry of the preacher. That happens in churches all the time. And John said this, that person, Diotrephes, verse 10, John says, I'm going to remember him when I come, and I'm going to do what? I'm going to call out his deed. I'm going to remember him, and when I come to see you, I'm going to call out his deed, what he's done. His desire, his desire to be preeminent, his, his pratting against us, his malicious words and actions, his rejection of the brethren, his excommunicating of those who won't follow him. And I'm going to call him out, John says, when I come. Now the question is this, why would John call out the deeds of Diotrephes? I'll tell you why. Because those kind of members will destroy the fellowship of the church. And that's what he was going to call attention to. They'll trample down the truth. They'll ignore the Bible. They'll grieve the Holy Spirit. They'll scatter the flock. Therefore, John admonishes the church in verse 11, and he admonishes the church by comparing Gaius and Diotrephes. Look, if you will, at verse 11. We're about finished. Uh, 3 John, verse 11. Look what he says. He says, for who greets him? Oh, verse 10, if anyone comes to you. No, wrong, wrong John, I'm sorry. Verse 11, beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. And he who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. And so he admonishes the church and says, be careful who you follow. It's important to know who you're following, what their purpose is. Be careful who you follow. So the one who practices righteousness, verse 11, is a child of God. The one who does evil has not seen God. So you have these three personalities. You have Gaius, commendable, healthy, spiritually fit, holy in truth and conduct. He's faithful. He's helpful. He's hospitable. And then you have Diotrephes. You know, he's a counterfeit Christian, had bad attitudes, bad actions, and then third and closing, you had Demetrius, verse 12. Look at verse 12. Demetrius has a good testimony from all. Has good testimony from all, but not only from all, but from the truth itself. That's important. And we also bear witness, and you know that our testimony is true. Now, Demetrius... Uh, what he's going to be carrying a uh, uh, special letter. He's carrying Third John to Gaius. And so he's not going to, you know, Gaius is not going to be left all by himself. He's not going to be standing all alone because John's sending him a like-minded colleague by the name of Demetrius. And so he's carrying this Third John letter to the church there. And Demetrius, would, in, in doing this, would be kind of like John's postman. He's delivering this, hand-delivering John's letter uh, to Gaius. Not like the first letter who'd gotten under the wrong hands on Diotrephes. Not like that letter, and it was destroyed. That letter, that letter 
is being replaced by a a spirit-breathed, Holy Spirit-inspired New Testament epistle written by John, guided by the Holy Spirit, and being carried to Gaius, and none would ever be able to destroy the letter. It's in our Bibles today. The destiny was of this letter was to be a part of the Bible. So here's the point. The letter, 3 John, warns all of the atrophies, wherever they may be around the world, when you fight against God, God always wins in the end. You may think you're winning, but you're going to lose in the end. And so you have Demetrius uh, in verse 12. He had a good testimony from all. And then it says, from the truth itself. You know what that means? John is saying, you can, you can test this life by what others are saying, but you can also test his life by the Bible, and even then he passes the test. That was the, that was the guy, Demetrius. Demetrius is just a humble person who loved God, loved the Word of God, and loved the people of God. He didn't want any prestige, didn't want any power. He just wanted to support the work and encourage the preacher Gaius. That's all he wanted to do. And third John gives us the character of three personalities that are found in every church. So the question is, which character best fits you? Which character best fits me? Am I a Gaius, commendable Christian, spiritually healthy, holy in conduct, faithful, helpful, hospitable? Or am I a diatrophies? Am I a counterfeit Christian? Preeminence among men, troublemaker, so destruction, my way or the highway type person? Is, does that describe you? Or are you a Demetrius? A good report, a, a consistent Christian, one of good report of all men and of truth, a humble person, loved God, loved the Word, loved people, just wanted to support the church, support the preacher, support the ministry of the church. Three personalities. That's what Third John's all about, y'all. The personalities you have in a church. And we're one of the three. And I hope that you're a Gaius. And I hope today you can say, I'm a Demetrius. I pray that you feel that way. And that's your personality. So let's have a word of prayer together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for an opportunity to be here and to share your word. Lord, another, another Lord's Day. And you've spoken to my heart in all of this, and I pray, Lord, that you've spoken to others. And Father, I pray that we, we've examined our personality. And Father, I pray that we'll be a Gaius and Demetrius. And God, I pray for every person here. And I thank you, Lord, for their faithfulness. I thank you, Lord. They, they went to bed thinking about coming to church this morning. They got up getting ready to come to church, and they're here, and you've spoken to our hearts. It's going to be a great day in the lives of those that are worshiping you today, wherever they may be. And I thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness of these people and our church family, and, Lord, for the support. But I pray, Lord, that from time to time we'll just examine our personality, and when we're kind of getting distracted from, uh, from your work. I pray that you'll call our attention to it. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, thank you when we get off on the wrong track that you can set us on the right track. And Lord, you can forgive us. You tell us in your word that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, Lord. And I fail you so many times. And thank you for convicting me by your Holy Spirit 
where I can repent and turn from my sin and come in the right fellowship, come back to that right fellowship with you. Thank you for what you're going to do in this invitation hymn this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.